podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Christ is risen, Antioch. Amen. It's been, it's been quite an emotional week for me. It's been pretty heavy. Starting from last Sunday till literally today, every day there's been uh, some kind of heavy, weighty, emotional news or experience. Not to mention the ending of Endgame was very, very emotional for me. I'm not saying a word. I'm just saying it was emotional. From the moment it started, mind you, from the literal moment it started, I'm like, seriously, I'm doing this, I'm going to cry. I, I was ready, but I wasn't ready. Um, you know, learning how to process human emotion and God is part of the Christian journey. It's a part of being human. And um, it's, uh, it's part of a life of faith. Like, Lord, what, I, what do I do with these displaced emotions? I'm, I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm scared. This feels so unjust. This feels wrong. I feel, I feel hopeless. What do, I, what do I do with these things? Well, I could try to shut them all down. That doesn't really work too well, at least not with my personality, because um, it just explodes somewhere else in my life. Um. We can try to ignore them, avoid them, pretend they're not there, deny them. Um, we can give them unhealthy expression, or we can we can try to bring them to Christ and allow Him to walk with us in that place. And that's part of what our text is about this morning. There's a part of it. Um, but there's so much more. I've been living here in, in Luke 24 here for several weeks, and there's, there's, there's a lot to pull out. And, and I hope I don't confuse everyone with, with uh, maybe not being as orderly or as coherent as I'd like to be, because there really are so many different angles. So we're just going to jump right into the text. Is that okay? All right, let's do that. Father, help us by your Holy Spirit um, and speak to every single one of us exactly where each and every one of us are at as individuals and corporately as a as a into and live out what is happening here to us today out of Luke 24, that we would actually live into and live out what is happening here in these scriptures and that um, the Holy Spirit would alight upon every single one of us and burn within our hearts as as we sit under the preaching of the word of God and the gospel today. We pray these things together in Christ's name. Amen. Let's pick up the story, if we would, in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Now, that same day, Luke 24, 13, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. They were kept from recognizing him. That fascinates me. And so he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. They were stopped, literally, they were stopped in their tracks, right? So you got to envision this. Here they are, they're all walking. Here's a guy who ends up walking alongside with them, 
And then he asks the most asinine question known to the people in Jerusalem at that time. Why are you guys so sad? And literally, they stop in their tracks like, who let this guy to the party? Right? That's, I mean, come on. Can you guys see that? Imagine this. They stop and their faces are downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, are you, I, I like to just put a little snarkiness on this. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe he wasn't snarky at all. Maybe this was totally an innocent question. But I just, I just think there was just a little bit of snark on here, just a little edge. Like, dude, are you the only one in all of Jerusalem? And you do not know the things that have happened here these past few days. And Jesus, he's just such a joker. What things, he asked. Like, what is he doing here? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Now pay attention. We're going we're gonna to explore some of what they say. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one. What's the implication there? It's not. We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Okay, very important. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. What are they saying? Like he made promises about this third day thing. And it's, third, it's the third day. And everything that he said was going to happen on the third day clearly isn't happening. I mean, can you see that? Yeah, it's the third day. Where's he at? Verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they did not find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive, but yet we haven't seen him yet, or so we think. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Let's just pause right here. So, Last week, for those of you who were able to join us for our, our Resurrection Day service, and uh, you may recall that we began with the first 12 verses of this chapter. For those of you who happen to not be here, um, some very, very similar things are taking place. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, has come to earth. He has lived out his ministry and his life faithfully. He has reflected and represented who God the Father and his kingdom is to all of humanity. And and at the end of his earthly days, he has died. Literally, he has been executed. I like that there was listening to some podcast a few days ago and and they clarified. They said he was murdered. And they said, but it's more important to say that he was executed. Because of the strength of the nuance of that word, he was he was executed. As a criminal, who was an, he was an innocent man, he was executed as a criminal. And he was executed as a criminal on behalf of the sins of all of humanity. He absorbed those within himself. He died in our place. But all along the way, while he was ministering and teaching and revealing the good news about the kingdom, he had a band of followers. He had students, disciples. And he was teaching these guys and and these women, and he was training them, and he was letting them know all along the way. He goes, listen, guys, this is going to happen. And he tells them multiple times. And we looked at last week, the fact that even though he had said this multiple times, 
that the men and the women who followed him had no clue what he was talking about. Even though he emphatically said this on numerous occasions. And here we see the same thing happening. We see these other two followers of Jesus, not necessarily uh, in the inner circle of the 12, but followers of Christ nonetheless, one named, one unnamed. Some history says they think it might have been Cleopas's wife, potentially. Um, But there's these two people, and Jesus shows up right in the middle of them. Now, what we do know by observation, I'm going to pull a little bit of our Bible, Bible class that we have on Wednesday nights into our discussion. We always start with observation. Let's just start with a couple of just blanket observations. All right. Observation number one is they're sad. Okay. And that tells us, what does that tell us? It tells us that they assume that Jesus is dead. And they also assume that he is not returning like he said he would. or else. Their faces would not be downcast and they wouldn't be sad. So they're sad because in their, in their minds, to our mantra last week, they do not understand the resurrection, right? They have no mental paradigm or framework for what is happening here, that the reality that Christ has risen from the dead, that it just is not registering. And so their faces are downcast and they're sad. And as they keep going on, they say four very specific things. And I think these things are interesting because number one, what do they say? Let's just take a look right here what these, what these two people are saying here about Jesus. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are, the, are you the only visitor? Verse 19, what things? Going into verse 19 about Jesus of Nazareth. Number one, they said he's a prophet. Is that true? Yeah, he was a prophet. Yeah. Was it completely true? No. So what do we gather? That we gather that we can follow Christ intensely and personally and closely for numerous years and not really have the full weight and the full revelation of who he is, that we just only get it in part, okay? Number two, what did they say? The chief priests and the rulers, our rulers, had put him to death. Was that true? Yeah, come on, talk to me. Was that true? Yeah, was it completely true? No, it wasn't completely true because we know that there was actually a greater divine and cosmic plan that was working here. And, and Jesus himself said, you guys think that you're the ones who are doing this, but listen, I lay my life down. So yeah, they had it in part, but the fullness of what was going on was not really being accurately reflected in what these two people were saying. Are we still together? All right, here's a third thing that they say. They said, uh, the chief priests, our rulers, handed him over, be sentenced to death. They crucified him, but we had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. Okay, now, That's true. We had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. Did he redeem Israel to some extent? Yeah. Did he redeem Israel? And this is now two weeks back. Did he redeem Israel the way that they expected him to redeem Israel? No, no. Right. But he did redeem Israel in the same way that he redeemed all of humanity. And finally, it says right here, and what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. So it's very important to take a look at what these guys are saying or what these people are saying, because they have a part of the story right. And again, if we insert ourselves in the story, any Christ followers in the house, right? Any people been walking intensely and closely and personally with Jesus for a long period of time? Anybody? I know I'm there, okay? But again, like, that's not us. Those two, that's not us. We know better, Right? Right? We're, yeah, okay, yeah. The women last week, okay, pastor, we get it. They didn't understand the resurrection. But these two guys, that's not us. That's us. 
that's us. That's totally us. We think that we understand the full narrative. We think that we really understand everything that's going on. And I know in some regards, I've, it may sound like I'm just re-preaching last week's message, but I'm not. There's more than meets the eye. Okay, I want us to be able to insert ourselves into this and to faithfully evaluate ourselves and to say, is, is there part of me that assumes by the story that I tell? Now, let me just pause right here. Why did Jesus ask them what they were talking about? Now, now we're kind of getting into interpretation because all of us might have different answers to this. So let me give one of many. It's very important as every good teacher knows Every good teacher knows this, that just because I'm communicating doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting it. And how will I really know if you're getting it if I don't ask you what you're hearing? Okay, that's what Jesus is being a good teacher here. He's just saying, hey, I've stuck around with you guys. I've taught you. We've had lectures. We've had seminars. We've had intensives. We've, 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 we've got to evaluate this three-year internship program here. So let me just tell you, like, so what are you guys talking about? What have you learned over this past time? What do you think? Let's debrief this. Let's, let's reflect and evaluate on the events that have just taken place. And then he finds out exactly what's in their head and in their heart by what comes out of their mouth. Partial truth. And we shouldn't down these people for that. Because nobody would want us to down us, right? Because that, that, remember, this is us. So you, you just, you have to be willing to participate with the process of putting into language that which you are seeing and perceiving and experiencing to see whether or not you're really getting the fullness of what's happening. And Jesus is patient with the process. Now, Let's kind of get into the meat of the story here a little bit because I got some things I want to get to that I think are important to us as it relates to how Jesus reveals himself to us. All right, so let's get into this. Pick the story back up. In verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, Maybe this is just me again, but I'm thinking, okay, listen, Jack, you didn't know what was going on here. And then you're going to tell me that I'm foolish. <laughs> Last time I checked, you interrupted our conversation <laughs> and you had no clue what was going on around here. And you're going to tell me that I'm the fool. I just think, I just think Jesus' responses are here so curious. He's like, how foolish you guys are and how slow to believe the prophets. Okay, that's a, that's a clue. That's a clue. What is he speaking to? What is he speaking of? Now, going backwards last week, remember when the angels or the two, the two men, to be accurate to the story, as I just learned on Wednesday night, the two men, dazzling clothes, show up. They show up to the women, okay? And then women start, the women start saying out of their mouth, what is happening in their head and their heart. This is very important. And so the angels hear what's coming out of their head, what's coming out of their heart. And he says, hey, don't you remember? Don't you remember that everything that's unfolding right now is exactly what he said. And then the scripture says what? <gasps> they remembered. Okay. Now, Jesus 
is speaking to something broader here because when it speaks of the prophets, he's speaking to the written Old Testament that they had at that time. And essentially he's saying that in our Jewish culture, which we meditate on the scripture and we read the scripture, we memorize the scripture, we go around, we write the scriptures, we put it all over our houses and our bodies. Like the scripture is a very important part of our Jewish heritage and faith and culture. And essentially Jesus is saying these Guys, the prophets, have been speaking to this moment for hundreds of years, and you're slow to believe them. We could also say this, you don't really understand. You didn't really get into kind of the interior, the under-level meaning of what these prophets have been saying and what has been in our canon has been in our corpus of faith for hundreds of years. And Jesus is saying, you either didn't understand it or you read it and you just chose not to believe it. Okay? And so, look, I love this, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning who? Himself. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go back and I start reading Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, like I know Oral Roberts says Jesus is everywhere in every single one of those books of the Bible. It's just not that clear to me. I mean, I could do a lot of theological gymnastics, but beginning with Moses, really, and to to everyone's credit who grew up with those scriptures all their lives, it's not very explicit. Right? Come on. It's not very explicit. It's not like, you know, he's going, hey, this is me right here. It's not, you gotta, you gotta have to like be patient with it. You have to immerse yourself in it. You have to read it for more than like five minutes every morning so you can check something off of your devotional list. You have to realize, listen, you have to realize that there is something that is going on here and that there is something that is so mysterious and so meaningful and purposeful and powerful in the written word of God that just kind of a cursory glance or a religious obligatory reading is not going to reveal. Isn't that right? Like you have to get into it and you've got to sit with it and you've got to immerse yourself in it and you've got to start looking for the Christ in the scriptures because as Jesus said in John, like this is the point. This is the point of the written documents. It isn't so that we can know more than other people. It isn't so that we can start creating all these rules so that we can regulate everyone. It isn't so that we can create man-made religions and, and you know, exert power structures. He has given us the documents so that we can find Christ in them. But... I think we have to be really honest with ourselves, guys. If we start saying things like, oh, that's just plain. Like, just just read the Bible. Just a plain reading of the text will show you everything that I'm saying. Okay, for those of you guys who are in our ASF class, this is what we talked about, a plain reading of the text. Clearly, the quote-unquote plain reading of the text is not so plain. All right, now let me just speak to you. Right? It is very confusing. And this is why, now let me just speak to all of our charismatic friends that I love and I cherish and I adore and I relate with because I am one of you. (laughs) 
the Holy Spirit alone is not enough, although the Holy Spirit is a massive part of this process, and I'm gonna show you that here in a few minutes. But I love the fact that these guys, or perhaps a man and a woman, these people, they, they were in conversation about this. They were in conversation. They were interacting in some form of community, trying to interpret together the events that had just taken place. Do you see that? And this is what the scripture says. They were walking along together. They were discussing and they were even debating the things that were happening on the events that had just taken place the past three days. There's an interpretive process that they're engaging with as they're trying to make sense of the events that have just happened that have literally disappointed them and they don't understand. But yet they're trying to engage and understand what is not so easy on the surface to understand. And where does Jesus begin? Jesus says, hey guys, before we go any further, how easy would it have been for him to just go, Ooh, it's all true. Okay, could have done it, didn't do it. And he begins with scripture. He begins by showing them that a faithful reading and a slow reading and a community-oriented reading and a process of scripture that he's there. It's not so clear in the beginning, but he's there. Here's the second thing he does. All right, so this, this, this is to me is where the, fun, the story gets really, really funny. So verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. Like, he, okay, what's the key word there? Thank you very much. Okay, and what's the implication? <laughs> he had no intention of going further. He's playing them. <laughs> He acted as if he were going, like, again, to which I go, how did, he, how did he do that? He's like, see you guys. I got to tie my sandal strap. Like, what is happening here? He acted as if he is going further, and he's, like, just waiting for, I could be really comical with this, and especially with, like, the whole dating milieu and, you know, I'm not going to go into all that. <laughs> but he acted as if he was going further. And then finally they were like, ah, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he's like, okay, if you insist. It's like, have you ever been out, you know, like eating at a restaurant? Not with, like, not with a family member, but like, you know, a friend or, and it's like, who's, who reaches for their wallet first type of deal? It's like, you sure? Okay, are you sure? Okay, I mean, I got it next time. I mean, that's just totally what's going on here. Hey, if you, if you insist, I'll hang out and I'll, I mean, you know, don't twist my arm. Okay, so as they approached the village, which way they're going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. They urged him strongly, verse 30. Look, now he is entering into their space as a guest. Do you see this? Because they're like, hey, Jesus, don't keep going. Be our guest, stay with us for the night. And then all of a sudden, the tables turn, quite literally. Because the guest now assumes the role of the host. And in verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he began to give it to them. Now, again, I just put myself in this scenario. If I have Brenda and Mike over for, for dinner, all right, and I throw down, right? And I just do my absolute best pot of greens. She has to bring the fried chicken because I'm not as good with that. Okay, but we're going to do that, 
All right, and then all of a sudden she's like, hey everyone, I'm so glad that you came and gathered around. Duncan kids, come here. Come here, y'all all sit down. You stop it right now. I mean, <laughs> at, I mean, at some point I'm gonna sit back and go, what is going on here? Just, just jumps right to the head of the table, right? Everyone grab hands, we're gonna pray right now. <laughs> That's what Jesus is doing. He's in their space. They don't recognize him. He's a guest and he goes, hey guys, I got this. And he reaches for the bread. He blesses it. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it and he begins to give it to them. This is where our phrase blessed, broken, and given comes from. The body of Christ, blessed, broken, and given. So here Jesus is assuming the role of host. Verse 31, watch this. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Okay, so yeah, we're gonna get there, Leon. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you, brother. Okay, wait a minute. He just started with Moses and literally had a didactic discussion where he just, now keep in mind, seven mile walk. Seven miles. And so for seven miles, which at what, 20 minutes a mile? I mean, that's a solid hour and a half, maybe two hours if they're going really slow. I mean, it's two hours. He's just breaking down Moses and the prophet. Look, there he is. There I am. Look, there he is. There I am. Look, there he is. Slaughter lamp. There I am. Look, there I am. I'm just all over the place. Here I am, right? Over and over and over again. But yet, they just didn't recognize him. Didn't recognize him enters into fellowship, enters into their home, all this personal time, all these nuances, all these idiosyncrasies of Jesus, didn't recognize him. And then all of a sudden he goes, hey, is it all right if I just, is it all right maybe if I could just take this bread and just bless it for us before we eat it? Breaks it. And this intimate communion that Jesus still has with the Father that he allows the world to have an inside view of and takes this bread. There's something going on here. What is it about this bread? What is it about this bread? What is it? He's just taking these normal, natural human things, but in the hands of Jesus, there's just something that's going on. And why is it that you literally walked me through a lecture discourse for two hours and I didn't see you even though you showed me where you were at? And then you take this bread and you just pray for it and you hand it out and that's Jesus. What is that? Well, I would say there's, there's something sacramental that is happening. I would say that there's, there's, there's something more than we can see. I would say that Jesus has a way of taking material, human, fleshly, physical things and using them to reveal invisible spiritual realities and, and worlds and, and his presence and principles and life. He's able to take the physical and, and marry it with the spiritual so that they're not divorced so that he can use both of them, right? And bring these two worlds together. So there's something very, very sacramental. There's something very, very mysterious. There's something very spiritual that is happening. And then to Leon's point, like, okay, why are you playing hide and go seek now? All right, let's just stop and go back to the beginning. Here's a guy, he shows up, he totally interrupts the conversation. He acts like he doesn't know what's going on. He gets you guys to talk and then rebukes you for what you say. (laughs) 
and then proceeds for two hours to correct you on your, on your misinformation and misperception, goes and hijacks the dinner after he acts like he doesn't want to have dinner with you. And then after all of these shenanigans, okay, and you finally realize it's you, gone. He is a trickster. Doesn't that even just for a second make you go, I want to know more about this. Doesn't that even just for a second make you go, there's something about him that I thought that I understood, but I don't understand, but I want to understand more. And that's what it does for me. Let's just start here, okay? With, I think I'm using this word right, postulate number one. Point number one, thought number one, okay, is that we do not understand all that there is. We do not recognize all that there is to recognize about God and the scriptures and the spirit and life. And we will spend the rest of our days assuming that we got the narrative just right and we know everything that's happening. We will, we will, ha- we will spend the rest of our days with the collective wisdom of 2,000 years of theologians and historians and church followers and martyrs, and we still won't get this thing completely figured out. Can we start there? All right, okay. Number two, I think Jesus is more present to us and with us at all times than we ever really recognize. You know, when you choose to go first and say, sorry, Jesus is present. You know, when you choose to recognize that person that everyone else walks by and you choose to kind of go out of the stream and you choose to sit with that person at lunch or you choose to pause and, and maybe instead of just tossing something out of your window, actually going and parking and sitting down and even for just 10 minutes saying, hey, what's going on here? What's your story? What's, what, what brings you here to this corner right now that you're having to ask for money? And just, and just, you know, maybe what they're saying is true. Maybe what they're saying is not, it honestly doesn't really matter. But just kind of entering in and saying, hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you the dignity of attention. I promise you, Jesus is there. He's present. He's present. You know, when you hear things like we heard this morning and you stop and before we start kind of entering into whether it's ethno, ethno narrative or racial narrative or political narrative or cops narrative or just before we start entering into all of that and we stop and we just say, God, what are you doing right now? And what is on your heart right now? I promise you, Jesus is there. He's present. And by the way, can we also say, be careful how you treat people, particularly strangers right? Be careful how snarky you are when you're like, are you the only one at Jerusalem? Are you kidding me? Gosh, give me a break. Okay. Because it just might be Jesus. (laughs) Okay. All right. Funny story. I just got to go here in the last few minutes. Okay. I am going to land this plane, but last night I, I stumbled on this article and the title of the article was why your Starbucks barista hates you. Okay. And it is, it's comical. It actually might be worth putting in our Antioch newsletter. Okay, just like, just let's just mix it up a little bit. I love the theological articles, but can we just mix it up just a little bit? Breathe, right? Okay, why your Starbucks barista hates you? Number one, when you come in and literally you order all of these customizations that are just ridiculous, seriously, seriously. And so I saw this Instagram post. And I'm like, 
this can't be right because literally it was like 30 different customizations. I didn't even know there were 30 different customizations. It was nuts, okay? Um, where was I going with all that? <laughs> be careful how you treat people. <laughs> be careful how you treat people, all right? Be careful how you treat people because you just might have Jesus in your midst. Be careful how you talk about people when they're not around because Jesus just might be present. Jesus is more present to us by virtue of his body and by virtue of his spirit than I think that we have any idea. He is present. And here's something I think is very comforting for all of us is that remember the context here is here's a man, possibly a woman, but there's two human beings that are utterly devastated. They're disappointed. They read into the narrative. They misinterpret it. But the reality of that misinterpretation is they are devastated and Christ comes and he is present. He is with you in your disappointment. And, he, and, and as you share, this is how things shook down at my point of view. He'll help, he'll help get you to truth. Okay, now here's the, here's the big idea. I, okay, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm honing in. The big idea of everything we're talking about today is this, is that Jesus will utilize multiple various methods to reveal who he is, okay? Because comes to the table, breaks the bread, their eyes are open, he disappears. But then what do they say about this? Closing verses here, HJ. Then they're like, ah, were not our hearts burning inside of us as he was speaking? Something was going on, we just don't know what's going on. Something is happening, I can't put language to it, but something is happening. Okay, now aren't you so glad that Jesus does not relate to us just on an intellectual level? As much as I love the intellectuals, and as much as there is a part of me that enjoys that, it's a very, very small part. <laughs> okay? All right, there's a really, really small part. Man, like these guys, they could read theological books. Like that's what they do in their free time. I'm like, how do you do, bro? How do you, like, seriously, I'm like checking ESPN. It's like the, NF, this, it's the NBA playoffs. Why are you reading like, but they're doing it for fun. I'm like, dude, is this part of like your full, like, hey, nope, no, I'm just reading this. I'm like, what? That's amazing. Some people are just wired that way where they just, they connect with him as, as he's walking and he is just starting with the prophets and Moses and breaking it down. And some people are wired that way and I love those people and thank God for them, okay? Some people are more wired into kind of this mysterious like, hey, let's come, let's fellowship, let's come to the table, let's be in each other's company, let's tend to one another. And then, okay, some people are more wired with a little bit of that sacramental mysterious, historical, traditional, like, Jesus, you, you're, you're, doing, you're doing something that, that has been done for, for centuries as, like, wait a minute, you're, wait, oh my God, you're pulling in Passover meal, and this is what you did that last night, and I wasn't there, but I heard about it, and yet you're, you're pulling in these traditions, and, and I always thought they were dead. I always thought they were just religious and sterile, and yet here you are, and man, there's revelation happening. How is it? What's going on here? It's because Jesus... Jesus is revealing himself, not just in the written word, he's revealing himself in sacrament and table, all right? But then as they're entering into community and as they're fellowshipping and talking through this, they go, was not our hearts burning? And how do we translate that? Wasn't, wasn't the Holy Spirit kind of like in the whole process, right? That's, that's the language we charismatics would use. 
Some of you guys have heard us say this before, and it can be a little sticky, but, you know, we've said that here at Antioch, our approach, our methodology, our ecclesiology is what we like to call convergent. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, what I think it means is, you know, man, we believe in the written and spoken and declared word of God because we're good evangelicals, right? And there is an evangelical dimension to who we are as a church and, and, and to the faith, which is we stand upon the movement and the activity of the spirit as it has been revealed in and through the scriptures for hundreds of years. And we, we allow this to be our norming norm. And we look to this and we say, God, speak to us in and through your scriptures. Anybody, would everybody say amen to that? Like we believe this, like there is something very, very powerful and important to this. And yet it's not the only part of how we discover you. Because there's also what we would call the sacramental part of who we are as a people, which is we belong to a long line of believers and churches that for thousands of years have held in place certain practices and liturgies and orders and traditions and Christ is still being revealed in those. So we are, we are, we are historical sacramental. And yet what, what, what is kind of working and ministering through all of this is our charismatic, is the Holy Spirit. So what would we say? We'd say, well, we're evangelical and we're sacramental, but we're also charismatic. We're all three. And Christ, watch this, Christ is revealed in all three by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Ministers at the table, I invite you to come forward. So, okay, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, I just say, number one, we stop and say, Jesus, there's more of you to be revealed. And Lord, if you wanna do that on a walk, and, or if you wanna do that in my Bible reading, or if you wanna do that, you know, when Pastor Jay's not cracking jokes and he actually has something decent to say in his preaching, or if you want to do that in a podcast or a commentary, or if you want to do that at a table, or if you want to do that in a fellowship when I'm in breaking bread in a smaller community, I just submit, Holy Spirit, that you are at work through many modalities to reveal Christ. And we want to experience the risen Christ. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on us to reveal Jesus. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I might have taken the scenic route to get there. But we got there. I would love to just preach and then disappear. That'd be pretty sweet. Just welcome you to the table. Poof, gone. Father, today, thank you so much that wherever we are at in our journey, wherever we are at in light of the resurrection, God, and even if we're, even if we're exactly where we are today going, God, this is not right. This is not how the story was supposed to be. This is messing with all of my paradigms. Where in the world are you? Jesus, I am absolutely convinced now more than ever that you're right there in the middle of us. God, you are right there with the church in Sri Lanka. You're right there with the gathered community in Louisiana, displaced though they may be. You're right there 
right there in the middle of them and the proclamation of the word and the administration of the table and the gathering of the people, the Holy Spirit is present and at work. And today, because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we can take comfort that Holy Spirit, you are with your people all over this planet. And you are with us at all times, both individually and when we gather. And you are with us in every situation and season of life. And you are constantly revealing the Christ. And we are asking you today, again, Holy Spirit, would you use the word? Oh, and would you burn in our hearts? And would you, would you minister in and through the table? And would you reveal Jesus to us? I invite you to come to the table of the Lord this morning and expect for your eyes to be opened again. Come. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.